Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshner. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the TGLTBD Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. How do I feel about that? The I'm just trying to go visceral because um, I didn't know what you know. Breaking news, so you breaking know, you news. Get, yeah, there's no planning um, here. Yeah, no, no planning. TGLTBD, not bad. <laughs> I, I, yeah, okay. I'm going to give you an okay on that one. Well, if you give me another year to think about it, uh, the, the wow. product will, will be better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One more year. I mean, <laughs> def- deflating roofs and tents and things and. So if you were really into uh, seeing what the Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy golf league was going to be like, you know, the simulator and the undulating uh, different greens, you're going to have to wait a little while longer. That's what we're talking about. Uh, Supposed to launch in January, uh, might have to push it back a calendar year. Uh, obviously with the, uh, with the problem they just had with the roof, there's a very specific time of year and a window in which they can get this done and simply not going to be uh, in January. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge bummer, obviously, for, for I would say, everybody involved everybody. From, yeah, from, exactly. from Tomorrow Sports, which is the venture with Mike McCarley, Tiger Woods, and Rory McIlroy, which is partnering with the PGA to put this on. Uh, the six team owners that, that that bought teams in the past six months, partners, media, everybody, I'm sure, is really disappointed. There was in a big this. push. There was a lot of press. There was this. a big push, and as you said, the, there was a facility. Their, their facility down in Florida, their custom built uh, facility on the campus of Palm Beach State College, uh, was damaged in a in a power system failure. The roof collapse, inflatable roof collapsed. It sounds like there was a little bit of other damage as well. And unfortunately, because of the way the way the golf season works. This is not the kind of thing you can push three months. They wanted to launch in, in January because of what other sports were doing on the calendar, also because of what players like Tiger and Rory and and Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas, what, what their schedules look like in terms of tournaments. Uh, so there's only a specific time of the year that they really feel they can do this. So a little bit of a postponement ends up being a 12-month postponement. But they are now looking at January 2025, Scott, to kick this thing off, um, which is, yeah, again, I think a, I think a, a big bummer for, for, for pretty much everybody involved. All right, so you've got this and, you know, the, the power problem. I, uh, we're going to get to this later, by the way. you got F1 and manhole covers. You've got no, <laughs> no hot water at the Commander Stadium. It's good to know <laughs> that, the, that the multi, multi, multi-billion dollar sports industry has pretty much the same problems I would have in my house. Exactly. Yeah, my dishwasher is not working right now. I wonder if it's working at the Commander Stadium. Tell the Stadium world, right by the now. way. Tell the world. Oh, this is okay. A little God. tangent. Tell oh, the world God. 
the, I, I mean, I think you feel good about the efforts and the lengths at which you went to to correct the problem, and I salute you, <laughs> but tell the world what you did to correct this dishwasher issue. I have a dishwasher in my Manhattan apartment that is probably 30 years old, is my guess, and um, it stopped working, and I, uh, uh, last Sunday, took the whole, the entire inside apart. I'm giving you this. The, the, I'm giving the you filter, this. filter, the intake valve, But by the way, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who was, it that, who was it that told you that your dishwasher had a filter? I have a really annoying colleague that uh, <laughs> mentioned to me that Because I, too, have cleaned my filter in my yeah, dishwasher. Yeah, and I'm sure, as you know, because you've done it, um, that's not a, that's not a, it's not a, a, pleasant a nice, gift, yeah. fun job. I, I feel like I needed a hazmat suit to get in there. Anyway, the, I, did I don't all these often things. use the word gunk. A lot I like of gunk. the word gunk. A yeah. lot of gunk. And I was so sure that after cleaning out all that stuff that it was going to be working. And turned out that was not the problem. So You are, you are not the Maytag repairman. Back to square one on the, uh, on the dishwasher. And back to square one for Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and Mike McCarley. Yeah, I mean, right. I'm sure there is a if, – if I'm you know looking at the silver lining here, I'm sure that given another year another of year, preparation, yep. I'm sure yep. there's a lot more things they can have buttoned up and – uh, so, so I'm sure the the product will look probably even better uh, next year than than it than it would have if they if they'd gotten it up this year. Um, but yeah, I think this is we saw the, the 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 revenue projections that they were putting out when they were looking to raise raise money. Uh, this was a, a group that was expecting pretty big jumps in its first three years in terms of sponsorship money, in terms of uh, sales at the venues, sales locally for for the six teams that they did sell. Um, I'm sure everyone the the, the list of owners. That, that came in, Scott, from Steve Cohen to David Blitzer to Alexis Ohanian and Serena Williams, Arthur Blank, Fenway Sports Group. It was an impressive group of of owners, and I'm sure they were also all projecting something to happen this year as opposed to kicking off next year. High marks for you going through that list of owners that way. That was really good because I know that was off the top of head. I know it that was, was off top, top of head. head. Yeah, that was really good. This, yeah. And then if anybody's counting, by the way, and you have and you're like, wait a minute, you're missing somebody. That would be Mark Lassery and Tiger Woods himself. Mark Lassery and Tiger Woods in the Jupiter it, team. It, it, yeah, yeah. Like cause the problem was always going to be, well, who's going to get Tiger Woods? Oh, you know? No, no, no. Mark Lassery's in the in the San Francisco League team, right? That's him and Steph Curry. I think. Oh, oh, and Steph Curry. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Right, right. And then the and then and Tiger, Tiger and David Blitzer. Tiger, David yeah. Blitzer. Yeah. I'm sorry, Blitz. I, I apologize. Better be listening to the show and thinking about yelling at me, <laughs> but not doing it. But it just goes to show. Listen, if you ever done anything at this scale, you just know things come up. It sucks. Yeah, and but you I, know th- I, things happen. I have been thinking about. TGL and wondering if they were too early. If this idea, I believe that in the future, this idea of mixed augmented reality sports is going to be a big thing on television. And I've wondered if 2024 was just a little too early in the curve for for, for people to really get behind the idea of watching professional golfers hit into a simulator uh, for, for all of their long shots. Uh, so who knows? Maybe the, maybe the delay actually ends up being w- – media is moving so fast right now, Scott, as you know, and, and new sports ideas and offshoot leagues and things like that are happening so quickly also. Um, there is a good chance, I think, that, 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 that both fans and also just learning about where, where media is going in the next 12 months ends up being a benefit as well. So you're saying uh, a, a, a blessing in disguise, possibly. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm sure All they right. don't feel well, that way, but 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 I, I think there's a there's a way to make that argument at least. Right All now. right. So well, let me give you the and this I never understood. You know, I was going to make a rearview mirror comment. Like we can look at Vegas F1 now in the rearview mirror. We talked about a little manhole cover problem in the practice lap. That was a real problem. Like 3 a.m. You finally get going. Yeah. Always bothered me. You know, when you look in your your passenger side mirror and it says objects in mirror closer than they appear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I agree on this. Yeah, Yeah. the single dumbest thing humankind has ever done. Uh, I don't. So this is a safety device. So I can tell when a car is coming up. And you are telling me 
that that car that I'm looking at is really closer. I don't know exactly how close, but it's closer than it appears to be because I'm using this cheaper fake glass to save like eight cents on every unit. I, incredible. Just Yeah, stupidity. the sentence construction on that is bad. But also, there's no rearview mirror, is there, in an F1 car? No, no, there isn't. That's why I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, <laughs> exactly. I, I could see yeah. the drivers using, like, the bicycle, the cyclist little little mirrors on the, you know, the helmet. Like that, <laughs> that I could see. But give, give me your overall assessment. Our Eric Jackson was there. We had an event there. You know, um, we had Greg Maffei speaking. Uh, year one, how do you assess from what you can tell uh, on the entire F1 Vegas uh, trial? I think it depends on who on who you're asking. The race itself. All right, I'm going to ask you. I'm asking you, Eben Novi Williams, owner of business near the Strip. Bad. Bad. <laughs> I, bad. I hate it, Scott. I want, yeah, I I want it never thing, to happen yeah. again. Okay. Yeah. I, for 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 I mean, this has been happening. I've been brewing for 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 months now locally, but so many people locally. If you, if you work downtown, if you work in. In, in in any of the tourism areas in 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 Vegas, I think this is a huge disappointment for you. I think the the construction that was going on for 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 months, the way it changed traffic patterns, commuting, the foot traffic downtown, uh, all of those things, I think were were a big drag. I know were a big drag for a lot of local businesses. The ticket sales and hotel prices that were posted originally. We're, we're way over optimistic, Scott, and, and both those markets crashed in the lead up to the event itself. The practice round was a disaster. As you said, there was a loose drain cover that one of the drivers hit. It ended up canceling practice for a long time. There's a clash accident suit now from fans who were didn't get to see the practice. Um, yeah. th- there was so much about this race in the lead up that was really bad. And then the good thing was that the race itself – from what I understand, I didn't I didn't watch it, and I'm not a huge fan. But from what I understand, from people who have, was a huge success. That it was genuinely compelling at, at, at a moment in this in this sport where a lot of races are not compelling. Uh, in, in some ways, the the shoulder programming around F1 is is so much more interesting than the race itself. And Vegas had, in some ways, the opposite. Uh, Max Verstappen won, which a lot of people would say, yeah, you don't, you don't say knew that was going to happen. <laughs> um, but it was genuinely uh, him and Charles Leclerc were going back and forth a lot. And the, the, the race for second was really compelling. And and Charles Leclerc held off Verstappen's teammate uh, to, to take second. It does sound like the race itself, once the racing happened, uh, was really interesting. But there are three races in the U.S. right now, Scott, in Austin, Miami, and in Vegas. Uh, we agree that long term, there's probably not going to be three here. Yeah. Um, Austin feels safe. Miami and Vegas feel like they are maybe vying for some sort of permanence here. But there, there's a lot of people that are very upset about what happened in the run up here to Vegas. And it does make me wonder if if this 10 year Vegas contract actually ends up happening. Well, I just look at sort of the sports ecosystem as it exists. All right. Everything can be really boiled down to a made for TV event. Yeah. Right. It's like, all right, tickets sold and all that. That's great. You want that. You want the big crowds. And we're moving to a world of experiential premium experience and, and, and hospitality. And I feel like F1 does that extremely well. I'm guessing that the premium experiences and hospitality around an F1 race in Las Vegas was top tier. Everybody yeah. loved it. You get what you want. You, had, you saw the list of celebrities that there. That's the sizzle you want to reverberate far beyond the racetrack and the strip. That's the image of F1 you want beamed around the world. And that's whether you're in Monte Carlo, it's the beautiful locale, it's the shots. I saw one, you, you had the, you know, the sphere shots, you had the, the 20,000 foot, somebody taking a picture from the plane and uh, somebody made a joke saying that uh, F1 was mandating that the, uh, the pilots force 
the uh, passengers to close the windows on the side that could see the strip and see the race <laughs> from up there. You know. <laughs> or pay $10 to yeah, open or pay your, uh, yeah, you get your, your Wi-Fi visor. and your F1 race, you can actually raise it, which that's, I thought was a, that, a great joke. That was a very yeah, good, joke. A very yeah. good yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw people going up and down the escalators near the track yeah. in F1 so they could see when they got to the top. So uh, you're, you're sort of in, in a world where that is what we're talking about. I think F1 does very well. Now, I would be a little concerned, though, with after the race – um, where I hear from Max Verstappen, who, of course, is like the big winner, of course, um, talking about, well, for me, it's about the essence of the race and the competition. Now, I know athletes feel that way, but, you know, y- y- I don't like all this extraneous stuff, Verstappen said. Like, I don't, I don't really like when it's about the glitz and the glamour and it's not about the racing. <laughs> that, that, to me, shows a lack of sophistication. One, what sport is entertainment to what enables you to make as much money as you do and three just what i don't i I don't get it no yeah especially the sport the sport of f1 specifically right yeah yeah does max live in monaco so many of the drivers live in monaco the, the the sport on the high end has just been built around this idea of Glamour and glitz and it's fashion beauty, and it's, yachts. Yeah, it's wealth. And it's, yeah, it's the absolutely. fast cars. There's nice a reason watches, why we do an event with Rob Report. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And I, if you're if you're Max and you're the best driver on the best you team, can say what you, want. you can say you can kind of say whatever you want. But yeah, going, going back to those, you mentioned those big black curtains and things like that. I think there yeah. were a lot of people in Vegas who thought, oh, a, a race down the strip means that. My store will have a front row view or, or X and Y. I'll be able to stand on the side and see it. And that is not the way that F1 thinks about commercializing uh, its rights and, and, and the ability to see things. So, yeah, I think in the, the idea in practice that, that struck a lot of people when, when this was announced, I think a lot of people were disappointed when they saw the way that all of this netted out. But we'll see financially. If, if this was a, a big financial success for the powers that be, uh, yeah, we could get another nine years of, of the Vegas Grand Prix and maybe even more. All right, sticking with the sport of F1, what do you think about our friends over at Arcto Sports investing in Aston Martin? Of course, following Redbird um, uh, in the sport. Not surprised that there's investment being made at a time when uh, I think the stakeholders would hope for exploding growth, although yeah. we've seen a little diminution in ratings this year uh, for the races. We saw a diminution in the U.S., for Drive to Survive, um, the big question is, is the momentum still there or have we plateaued? Or what do we do if there's a plateau? That, it's a very interesting conversation. If you were to ask me last week what's missing from the Arctos portfolio that we that yeah, we know F1. of, F1 was pretty much the – I mean, they're in all five major U.S. leagues. They're in NWSL. They're an investor in PLL. They have European soccer. They have NASCAR racing. They have, they're in esports. There's so much of the competitive sports landscape, not just in the U.S., but globally, that they are in. And F1, at least before this, not that we're aware of, I don't believe there was one. So adding that is, is, a, is a big piece to the portfolio. Are you buy, sell, or hold on, on F1? Buy, sell, or hold on F1 in the U.S.? I, I think if you were to ask me right now, I'm a s- I, I'm sell. Asking, I literally asked you I, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I literally asked you right yes, now. Yes, I am a sell. Um, but but I say sell. that as, as someone who is not a fan. I don't dislike it, but I I, I don't it, 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 racing doesn't appeal to me that much. So so right. I, I am a sell. I think that a lot of the the NASCAR Drive to Survive bump was overblown. 
from people I know who have been to and what I've read about both Miami and Vegas, they, they don't seem like they are delivering in the way that a lot of fans or even locals want it, want it to. I, I, I am a sell personally. And, and with a caveat that if they do, if they can make the competitive on track, if they can make that exciting and, and, and not a foregone conclusion where Max Verstappen doesn't win six weeks before the, the season's over, uh, if they can really level the playing field, I do think actually maybe there is a, I think there's a better chance to appeal to American fans. But I think for the most part, the way American fans think about a lot of these things, I, I don't think that, that F1 has a huge, huge commercial growth opportunity in the U.S., at least not right now. I love from the competitive balance standpoint. It's what you're looking at. I, I go with as I do, and that's valuations like, too, right? That, that yeah, that's what yeah. leads to this this rush of investment from people like Arctos are people who are looking at this and thinking that in two or three years, a team like Aston Martin has a chance to win the title, which this year they probably didn't. Right. Well, I look at my focus group of one. I look at his pals, and I wonder. I and I don't have an answer for this because I don't think Drive to Survive was the answer. Not, at least not in my focus group. I, I told you before that uh, my wife and my son watched it. They took in a couple yep. episodes. They thought it was cool. I don't think they've been back, and it certainly did not translate into watching races. Uh, I think it's the same for my, my son's friends. So I wonder where is the future eyeball coming from? Uh, I think there is a path to my credit card via simulators, mm-hmm. via competitive gaming. video gaming. Yeah, yeah I, I could tell you if you stick my kid... In a, in a, whether it's VR, whatever, in a realistic simulator and let him and his pals loose, I, I think they could get addicted to that. Uh, yeah. Obviously, full on F1 branded, and you got to figure out a way to, to upsell. You can buy a different engine, spark plug, you know, you know an in game, an, an app in game purchase, um, a la Fortnite, which I hate the evil geniuses. Um, I think there is a path. I'm, I, I just don't know. It, it's just interesting. It's not an easy one. To, to get my focus group of one and his pals, which I think is, uh, is significant for any sports league. How are you going to get the next generation of fans if you're going to come to this market? Yeah, w- one of the ways that a-, a lot of sports like this break into new markets is if there is a highly talented, highly marketable driver from those places. If there was a, a very, very talented, I know there are a few coming up. the American driver makes the difference here? Well, I'm that's not, what I'm, I'm saying. I think yeah. not. I, I think yeah. that a, a very talented Chinese driver probably fundamentally changes F1's presence in China. I think there's a number Would of other countries. Would kill to see Yao Ming pushed into an F1 car. <laughs> He's bigger than the car itself. Would Scott. love to see uh, that. Yeah, so I think that there's uh, because of the saturation of the U.S. market, and, and it doesn't operate in the same way as, as as some other international markets. Yeah, I personally, I am I am a sell, but uh, I've been wrong on these things before, and, and there's a very good chance I am uh, I am wrong on this one as well. All right, well, let's stay in Las Vegas. Give me buy, sell, yeah. or hold on the Oakland. Not for long. Eight. Oh man. Moving yeah, what, to Las Vegas. What, what a situation. Last week. We're not there yet. Yeah, the owners approved it, but that's just one step in the process. Last week, owners unanimously approved uh, the relocation. Um, the, the the teams, Oakland's deal in the in the Coliseum where they play right now is up in 2024. The, the proposed baseball stadium in Vegas, Dome Stadium, because of the weather, uh, I believe is set, would be set to, if it happens, set to open in 2028. That leaves three, four baseball seasons where, where the A's are unsure where they're playing. Do they... Do they stay in Oakland?
Cleveland, which is a, a tough situation, a tough sell for, for baseball fans? Do they relocate somewhere else in California? There's a, there's a big stadium question in, in the interim hanging over. That's a big stadium subsidy question. I can tell you that. That's what owners look for. How much do you want to give me to build my facility? How much? That's not and, done yet. And, but, and, you know, the Raiders got 800 mil. Yeah, the, I was going to say, the, 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 the local state and city proved very willing to give hundreds of millions of dollars to the Raiders. Uh, I believe the, 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 the state legislature in Nevada already approved $380 million for, for, for this proposed baseball stadium uh, in Vegas. So there's already at least a, a large chunk of, of public money commitment there. Um, Vegas uh, baseball in Oakland was not working in in the current situation. The stadium was no good. The owner John Fisher was fighting publicly, trying to get more money for a new one, and that seemed like it had had run. I, I its like course. when somebody yelled at John Fisher at the meeting, "Do the right thing," and he snapped back, "I am doing the right thing. I am thing. doing the right thing. I am yeah. doing the right thing." <laughs> Which is uh, d- debatable, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As well, um, I was surprised. I, I had I had not really thought about it, but if you had asked me, gun to my head, really quickly. Uh, how often baseball teams move? This, is, this would only be the the third since the since 1970, essentially, when the Senators relocated to Texas, and then obviously the Expos moved to to DC. Um, it, it's way less common than I would have thought, given the way that obviously sports teams and baseball teams particularly moved a lot in the in the earlier part of the uh, of the 20th century. Um, but we'll see. It, it seems likelier than ever to happen, Scott. But the, the the interim where do they play question, which we talked about this last week with the Arizona Coyotes, can be a tough nut to crack sometimes, um, is going to be fascinating for sure. I will employ my caveat emptor, as I always do. If you are professing a lifelong uh, uh, loyalty and undying love um, to a sports team, be careful. Mm. That that is all. Yeah, these are. I will say it for the one thousandth time. Despite what you will hear from owners when they take over, that they are just simply caretakers yeah, of yeah, this yeah. team. They belong to the community. They are civic trusts. The, uh, only one vote matters when this stuff happens. And if they are losing money, it is that owner that says, "I can get public subsidies somewhere else, and I cannot where I am. I am." Like a carnival, I will fold up tent and I will move elsewhere. These are sophisticated businesses, just like a Walmart, just like any other in your city. They are businesses. The fact that you, the fan, comma, customer, are addicted to the product is a lovely place for the owner of that team to be. That is my caveat emdor for the week. And you know better than probably you talk to more owners than, than almost anyone in this industry. The, the owners love to say the opposite, right? It, they, everybody talks about how you you have to own these things just because of your, your your love for the for the thing and the fans and business stuff has to be secondary. But yeah, that's a that in my opinion that's a fallacy, right? The it, we have, we have so many examples of of the opposite being true um that yeah i think there i'm sure there are a lot of owners out there who really do love the teams that they own and love the fans you'd have to be a dumb owner to the studio yeah you'd have to be a dumb owner to come out and just sort of profess "Ah, this is a business like anything else i'm gonna (laughs) run it as such uh if you know i'm not gonna buy a free agent if it makes me lose eight bucks so yes you 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 have to understand the nature 
of your customer in this industry that they want. You don't have to win. I, mean, I forgot which owner it was. He said, I don't need to win every year. He's like, I just need to sell the notion that I have the ability to compete to win. <laughs> you know, it was like a good parsing of words. Like, I don't have to win. I just need to sell the, the fantasy that I have the chance to win to keep people coming back. Yeah, you're not going to come out and say, I don't care if I win or lose. I get it. His I name, get it. But understand, fans, what you're dealing with. The, the name's escaping me, but the, the owner of the Reds last year or two years ago essentially was threatening to maybe move the team and said the quiet part out loud. He essentially was like, the baseball fans in Cincinnati, like, where, where are they going to go? They're not going to root for the Guardians. They're not going to they're not going to suddenly find a different baseball team to root for other than the Cincinnati one. Uh, hey, I thought that's that what was I'm very, saying. If you're Bob no, I know. I agree. And he yeah. got crushed for that, right? He got because he spoke the truth. But if you're Bob Castellini, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know that you, you have generations: grandpa, grandma, a son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, cousins. They, it's a communal thing. I get it. It, I, I totally get it, but that makes you vulnerable as a customer. At, at some point, does that geographical ties to local sports teams is is, is probably always going to be a thing? But it does yes. feel weaker now than it did. Right, your, your focus group of one. Are there New York sports teams that he cares about, or does he care about the players that he likes and the, the fantasy ability, and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, no, no. The ability, I would say, like the direct to consumer, your league pass type of thing. His ability to watch other teams every single night. Like yeah. you can be, he is, he, I, I can tell you, he's a, he's a Blackhawks fan. He was thrilled when Bedard went to the Blackhawks for hockey. Uh, and it goes back to uh, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane, you know, that uh, Corey Crawford, Corey Crawford. He's, a, he's a goaltender. So he followed Corey Crawford. And by the way, I think he just liked the uniforms, but didn't hurt that they were winning. So he became a Blackhawks fan. And because of technology, uh, unlike 50 years ago, 40 years ago, where you could only see your home teams on TV he can watch the Blackhawks every single night if he wants to and then go see them when they're in town at multiple arenas, right? There's three in the F4 if you want to count Philadelphia. I uh, go up to Boston, go down to D.C. You can go see them plenty. You can go to Chicago and take a trip and see them there. So the, the barrier to that, the sort of affinity for a team is, is, has been uh, deconstructed for sure. Agreed. Yeah. So I think this argument, I think, changes significantly in 20 years. This idea of where are the local fans going to go? Uh, they can watch literally any other team in the league. Yeah, but let's and they not can discount. Care more about those teams. I would still say the single determining factor, the biggest factor in which team you will root for will be your zip code. So right now, yes, that, I yes. wonder. If I, in I don't years, see that changing anytime soon. Like, like it or not, parents do have a bit of influence over their kids, and say, if I take you to this particular game, you're going to root for that particular team. So yeah, that that is all. all right. Tell me what you think about uh, NBC and Notre Dame extending their contract. No surprise, since the uh, incoming uh, athletic director at Notre Dame sort of ran NBC <laughs> Sports. I'm not yeah. surprised that they reached a deal, um, but through 29, what? What the the value add graph here is that for now this certainly cements ND's ability to stay independent. Yeah, so they were paying NBC was getting about twenty two million dollars, or was paying twenty two million dollars a year to Notre Dame under the current deal. Uh, in the past four or five years, given the escalation of TV deals both in the SEC and the Big Ten, Notre Dame was obviously asking for something commensurate with what 
schools in those power conferences are getting, which is roughly 55 to $60 million a year. So I would assume that this new extension with NBC is going to pay Notre Dame roughly that same amount. So, so almost triple, roughly triple what the current uh, TV rights deal is. Uh, in that scenario, it's, it, this still works out great for Notre Dame. They are on broadcast television around the country. They do not have the conference affiliation. They have more flexibility with their schedule. They have a deal with the ACC for almost every other sports team, except for, I think it's just football and men's ice hockey, uh, which is in the Big Ten. Um, So almost all the other sports get the conference affiliation kind of rivalry that they want with the ACC. This is a really good setup for Notre Dame. And as long as it continues to be financially a good setup i would imagine they are going to keep it this way so through 2029 and we'll see then what college sports look like what if if there is a financial imperative to get to a big conference uh, i'm sure they'll have that conversation but for now i am i am like you scott i am i'm not surprised that they did this and i'm not surprised by the money involved what i'm about to say comes with tongue firmly planted in cheek but uh, any side eyes at Pete Pavacqua from his former NBC colleagues? You know, Pete, as president of NBC Sports, was negotiating this very contract. And then he moved on over to become the uh, what will become the athletic director at Notre Dame. So <laughs> if I'm Pete, like if I'm on the NBC side, I want to pay as little as possible. Knowing I'm going to Notre Dame, I want to get as much as possible. So I don't know, a little side eye. Negotiating with say, himself Pete, here. Yeah. yeah, that's what I want to know. We got to ask Pete next time we see him. Of course, like I said, I repeat. With tongue firmly planted in you. Yeah, no, I get you. I, think, I do think it's a good question. But it's, but it's an interesting I, scenario. We don't see I, this very, very I often. I also don't, I, I, I imagine, and this is probably very naive of me, but I, I, I don't actually think this was that complex a negotiation. No, they've I been think partners was, for four decades. You've been partners for a really long time. It's working for both of you. It, it's very clear what your peers are getting, and it's very clear that Notre Dame wanted something that was commensurate with what its peers were getting. Um, so, so, so I, I again, I imagine this was not a very complex thing, but I would also imagine that whatever Pete's role here on either side was was a was a topic of of great sensitivity, because I do think you need to set up certain procedures in in in, in both ends to make sure that he's not sharing information or whatever all those things are. Not that he would be, but right. I, I think it's I think it's actually a really good question. And you know, one thing we didn't touch on, and we're not going to right now, but we will let's say on our next for the next podcast, we didn't touch on all the upheaval at the NBPA. Yes, uh, yeah, no, we'll we, do we, that. Let's we can do that get into that, but let's, l- l- later this week, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to end on I think well, kind of a fun one, like you know, the Bob Knight bobblehead <laughs> and sort of the legacy of Bob Knight, like his temper probably got him in trouble uh, more than it helped him. But will it, uh, Daniel Libet asked the question, you know, will it help his, his merchandising legacy um, in perpetuity? Uh, and, his, and his kid is certainly trying to make that happen. Yeah, Bob's son Pat um, and and a few business partners are in charge of were in charge of when 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 Bob was alive, um, the essentially the his his commercial rights his NIL um, and Daniel wrote something in the aftermath of, of Bob's death last month about some of those efforts. And you're right, the 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 the, the very thing that that Bob Knight I mean I think he's known for two things he's known for winning basketball games and he's known for his temper. Um, they they are definitely leaning on the temper side uh, as a business opportunity. They, they, they sold a doll last year i believe that had him in, in mid hurl of, of the of the chair yeah, they were the two, two bobbleheads he just bobby knight in his you know the red sweater that everybody knows and then yeah. one with him chucking the chair okay want, I, want a little stat i wrote it down yeah go ahead they they, they made nineteen thousand eight hundred and fifty of them and they i guess at time of print they had sold four thousand okay which I think is interesting. Yeah, so they'll sell uh, them out. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. And 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 maybe there was a sales bump when um, 
during his passing. But the yeah, I think the interesting thing there is that Bob Knight did a lot of things that if he were coaching right now uh, would be viewed very differently than they were viewed when he did them. 20, 25, 30 years ago. Um, and there is still, at least according to these folks, uh, a commercial opportunity to capitalize on those things, right? Which, again, viewed through the 2023 lens, I think look very different than they were when he was coaching at Indiana. Yeah, still, he's Bob Knight. You know, he's the general. He's got the personality. There, there. People will know him. And he certainly, you know, he, he was bigger than life. Yeah. Good, bad, indifferent, like it or not, certainly he's a brand. Yeah. And there are people who will want to stay associated with that brand. We so, got to get our own bobblehead dolls, Scott. We should have bobblehead dolls. <laughs> who does I, our I, NIL? <laughs> I don't know. All, all the bobblehead dolls I have that I had on my desk, and you know that, well, uh, all the necks broke. Right? I had an ND. <laughs> just I had too, an much, ND too much bobbling? I, and I don't know where I got Well, yeah, I don't know whether it was that or I dropped them, which is possible. I don't know. Remember, I had, who did I have? I had an ND Chavez. If you remember that one? Remember that my was, little ND I think Chavez? that was mine. Oh, that was your. I stole yeah, it from your desk. Yeah, the was behind. Oh, yeah, well, that's, he, well that's he migrated him, over to my desk making for a the while. Catch. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and jumping yeah, over that making was, that, that catch. Was, was that Yankees yeah. Mets? Was that Yankees Mets? That was Mets, Mets Cardinals. Mets Cardinals. All right. Well, yeah. So Andy yeah. Chavez. I had a few. I can't remember, but I just see the heads like rolling on my desk. You had little Penny, right? Well, that was, was a doll. That, was that, a that was a little, that was, that that was was a little doll? penny doll okay. with with yeah. the satin smoking jacket. You yeah, had Omri yeah. Caspi. The Omri Caspi. I don't know why I had that. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think his head was broken too. So hopefully for those, the Bob Knight's one uh, for those better, at Night yeah. uh, Night Legacy LLC, Pat and others, please reinforce the neck <laughs> so, so that the heads are not rolling on desks everywhere. All right, close it out, my friend. Alrighty, he is Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. I am Evan Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. The show is produced by Aaron Greenewald. Thank you to Aaron Sportico's digital media editor Cora Veltman. Would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sportacast which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.